the tea I'm drinking. Yeah, that's got some uh, kick to it. It's a little caffeinated, little jolt. I've been drinking it for years. It's very, very alert. Yeah, it keeps you awake. What happens is, like, there's a lot of farm workers that work on these fields, and they'll chew these leaves, and it's it's a stimulant. It, it helps you, it keeps you awake, keeps you uh, working. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to go, like, run five miles. The... Natives call it coca, hmm. and uh, they put it in. They steep it in, in in hot water, and the locals drink it and tourists drink it. Hmm. It's a little bitter, so I put some sugar in it. And, yeah, thanks uh, for doing that. I mean, it's delicious. One of the things I like to do is I like to take about at least five or six hundred pounds of the mm-hmm. of the leaves and uh, boil them hmm. and boil them for about six or seven hours. Mm-hmm. What happens is is the leaves end up almost disintegrating. We use a chemical compound to strip the natural fibers away, mm-hmm. and we compact that into a solid. Eventually, that solid is then broken down, and we turn it into like a really fine powder. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's pretty good. Wow, that's really that's really a great idea. It's gonna. I'm I'm trying to sell it to certain uh, FDA approved drug companies hmm. to like just do some research. But I've never been more alert in my life having having that. It's very natural. Sometimes when I take it too much, I don't feel part of my face. But that's why I think we need drug studies on it, so we could find a illegal option for. For this, to my, to the best of my knowledge, it's perfectly legal everywhere, and they make it a lot in Colombia, Nicaragua, Peru, among other places. Mm. It's great, but here it's just coca tea. I don't know another, another way to call it. No, I, it's, that's about it's, it. It's great. I'm I'm gonna come back for sure. It's like the ground room floor. I feel like I've I've invented lightning in a bottle. Wow, it's great. Another great thing is. Did you try the guinea pig? I want to talk about this Ooh. guinea pig for a long time. Yeah. Did I? <laughs> mm-hmm. I I uh, I think I tried every single one on the menu. For those of you that don't know, we are <clears throat> in Aguas Calientes, Peru. Mm-hmm. It's a city very close to Machu Picchu, the hidden Incan village that was left for hundreds of years untouched, and then. But tell me about the guinea pig because it's one of their biggest cuisines in this town, in this um. city. Country. The one that I'm currently enjoying is the glazed honey mustard yeah. uh, guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Uh, not my favorite so far. No. But, uh, I mean, just delicious. It, it, they, they know how to cook it. That's a thing. Every restaurant here has a brick oven. It's perfect for baking guinea pig mm. completely all the way through. Because you know, the number one cause for salmonella poisoning is undercooked guinea pig mm. in this part of the uh, of the country. Dutch. Tell yeah. me about some other guinea pigs you ate. Uh, I had the barbecue. Good. 
uh, barbecue. I mean, traditional like barbecue flavorings. Right. Um, <clears throat> that was good. Um, I had the French toast guinea pig. Yeah, that is like pigs in a blanket. In a blanket. You know, it was weird. It was like uh, French toast guinea pig. Am I gonna enjoy this? And yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, what was another surprising? Flavor? There was there was a churro filled guinea pig. Yeah. Oh yeah. They baked a guinea pig with churros. The oh, same way was... you would put stuffing in a turkey. That was incredible too. Yeah. I mean, it's like the the sweet and savory kind of yeah, combo. Yeah, they're all mixed in. Yeah. It was great. My favorite was the sriracha. Yeah. Sriracha is really huge in Peru. I think mm-hmm. they invented it here. Did you have the sriracha infused or the sriracha fed? Fed. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, th- there's a lot of grass-fed cow stuff in the States, as mm-hmm. we like to call it, since we're always out of it. But there are some guinea pigs. All they do for their entire life is they feed them sriracha. Mm-hmm. And eventually, <clears throat> and for some reasons we don't know, these guinea pigs will die of malnutrition. Mm-hmm. But if you gut them and fry them up or bake them, they taste amazing. Yeah. Dutch. Yeah. They, I mean, it's a natural type of spicy, sickly meat. Yeah. And it's, you can't, I mean, I'd love to taste it in jerky. Mm-hmm. If, if you will, but welcome back to Dylan and Dutch. Welcome back. <clears throat> We had a great time the other night. Tell we us did. about that bartender. I want to, I want you to break down this bartender. Uh, the bartender, Hector. Hector. Right. Uh, yeah, this bartender. Um, so we we found this bar. In a hole in the wall bar. Hole in the wall. Yeah. Oh Tourists yeah. Tourists yeah, yeah, don't yeah. go in it. We, we're like when when we go out and travel, mm-hmm. we don't go to where all the tourists are going. We're going to where all the natives are going because they always know where the best places to mm-hmm. eat, drink, and have fun. There was a, it was it was just a doorway into a building and it said solo above it. Right, right. And we don't know what that means, but no. it's, it was probably lost in the generations yeah. uh, with the oral histories passed in. We don't yeah. know. But uh, Hector, uh, so we we go in and we Hector? what did we we ordered a Midori sour. Yeah, yeah. We ordered a... ten of them. Sure. For us. And what they say? They said that that they don't they don't have those, but they do have something called a pisco sour. Yeah. I had a problem with that. I like my Midori Sour. Mm. And wherever we go traveling, we always try and go to all the touristy places because they always have Midori Sours. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time they didn't. And that was my... Conf- my, I was a little irked about that. Mm-hmm. And I made sure that Yelp knew about it. And I feel bad about giving them one star because later, after about 7 or 11 or 12... Piece of sours. Mm-hmm. I was feeling pretty good. What about you? Yeah, I was feeling great, you know, and feeling friendly. And uh, I started talking to Hector, and uh, uh, turns out this is crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. My librarian yeah. in second grade, Peggy Winters. It's yeah. crazy. That's her name. <clears throat> yeah, it was really weird. Was Hector's great aunt. Yeah. Who who'd have thunk it? Sure. Uh, but you know, small world. He charges full price, though. You'd think that you'd get some kind of discount. Yeah. But then again, they need to make money. Why am I con- Why am I splitting hairs on this? Yeah. The owner of the restaurant, mm-hmm. Bartholomew, everybody mm-hmm. called him Bart. Hey, Bart. Hey, Bart. Yeah. Um, 
He really liked you. He did. We oh, talked, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were hanging out for about six or seven, ten <clears> hours or whatever, and we ended up going on a hunt with him, and he was he always had these great stories. Uh, but he had a bunch of daughters. <laughs> Didn't he want to marry? I think he wanted. He did he wanted you to marry one of his daughters? Yeah, I think I I remember the moment too when I stuck that pig on that yeah. hunt. Um, that was the moment he gave me a look, and then I realized. I I wasn't sure at first. Does he like me? Like in that kind of way? or does he like right? Or... And you want to be respectful? Yeah. Not that there's anything yeah. wrong with that. No, not that there's anything wrong. You want to you want to have open communications yeah. while you're having this look. And the pig was still alive, writhing. Did I tell you what I did? No. Or did because people people were treating me differently. <clears throat> what I did was I, I ended up stabbing the pig about another forty seven times huh. with my pen, this pen actually. Hmm. And uh, I mean, blood was I was covered in blood, and people were really rude to me after that. They were they I don't know what it was. Hmm. I mean, Before you put, we go you put on, it out of its misery. I was stabbing like in the extremities like I wanted it to experience pain because that's the <laughs> extremities it's hooks it's tail I cut it off <laughs> before I go on I feel compelled to say this podcast is brought to you by PETA the people for the ethical treatment of animals and uh, they they donate a lot to our show because we've done a lot for them and their cause. You finish the hunt. He's looking at you. I'm digressing because this is a great part of the story. And uh, he offers me three of his seven daughters in marriage. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, he says, hey, you know, take one, two, or all three. And we're not used to... We don't know what part, part of the... This is a subculture. Yeah. So we don't want to... Show some judgment. No, no. I mean, one of them was already married. Yeah. Which was weird, and yeah, right. I just didn't know how to react. How do you react to that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, you I don't want Bart to, to be upset. No, no, no. So he was upset enough mm-hmm. because we killed his pet pigs. <laughs> yeah, he was. He wasn't too happy about that. Um, turns out. <coughs> It it wasn't a pig hunt. It was just that we had had, by that time, 31 Pisco Sours. And <coughs> it was actually uh, at the back of the bar, pig tied to a stake with a sign over its head that said, Dos. And, uh, well, <coughs> it was... It was unfortunate, but hey, he ended up offering his daughters, right? Sure. And um, I, I said yes. I just said yes. I didn't want to offend. Right. I didn't want. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do in this situation. We like, set a uh, marriage the first day. Time been to this town. We went to. Yeah. They got a permit. They opened up the <clears throat> permit office like at four a.m. Yeah, got the permit. I mean, shoot, I went to two weeks of premarital counseling with one of them. Yeah. Um, because we just were having a really hard time <laughs> trying to, you know come together on finances and figuring that out i mean don't it finances is a killer of marriage it's the number most one people don't realize course. this yeah i mean people people think uh oh, cheated on me yeah it's not it's, it's finances it's not know? infidelity it's actually uh finances yeah. and even if you're not going to get married you want to at least fake have a, a good relationship i wrote a book Adrian. on that do you 
you know I I, I wrote the foreword. Yeah, financiality. Yeah. Um, it was a uh, it was a bestseller for a couple weeks, um, and uh, New York Times top twenty yeah, still yeah. still to this day. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, I mean, I ha- I've had um, gosh, I get probably twenty letters a month. Sure, people thanking me uh, because. Maybe their marriage was having problems, and they read my book, and it yeah. really, you know... Because of your betrothal to Adriana, Sarah, and Jenkins, I don't know why I named his daughter that, yeah. um, and your three, was it like three months of premarital counseling mm-hmm. about financial issues mm-hmm. with those three, mm-hmm. uh, marriages all across the world are stronger. And I kind of want to take the blame for that, because I did kill that pet pig for some reason I think that got the ball rolling yeah and, well uh, I think yeah really I kind of killed it and oh you, you just stuck kind it of, while it was laying there dying I kind of tortured you it just, just a little bit yeah uh, it was a science experiment but and I'm sorry anyway I ended up wearing its skin over my face for a while they started calling me something but I don't know Spanish mm. but once they set the wedding date, mm-hmm. what do we do then? Were we we're drinking about twenty of those pisco sours a day. Yeah, and you know what? I'd have I'd had enough of them, and yeah. I taught uh, I taught Hector. Yeah, about something I like to call. Oh my gosh, the merry gentleman. The merry gentleman. The merry I'm gentleman. very excited about this. Uh, it's a drink that I invented. Uh, this is because uh, <clears throat> you have a um, a blog. Mm-hmm. Dutch and such, mm-hmm. and uh, Dutch Hutch is the most viewed blog page. Please, yeah, listeners, if you're listening to anything, write this recipe down and thank Dutch yeah. <clears throat> for this. And some people might say, oh, no, I've heard of this recipe before. No, you haven't. No, you no, haven't. It's, and if you have, it's because I invented it. Right. Uh, so you start with um, run-of-the-mill whiskey doesn't matter it just doesn't yeah. matter you, you get some whiskey some whiskey you enjoy and you don't mind you mixing like yeah it's got to be you don't it's not a whiskey that you want to drink straight jack daniels i don't mix no no i just drink straight yeah um and then uh you get some ice fill a glass with ice i like to fill a nice pint sized glass with ice What's, what type of ice is it that you would want that you would prefer uh i i i I use standard cube trays yeah. of okay. ice. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I, my ice standards are pretty basic. Okay. Uh, whiskey, really as much as you want. Yeah. I squeeze half a lime okay. into it. Is that the bitters? Uh, no, then I add bitters. What is bitters? Uh, it's uh, it's like a type of liqueur type of okay. deal. Okay. Add the lime juice, add the bitters, and then uh, top it off with tonic water. It sounds uh, amazing. It's called the Merry Gentleman. We should have, every year we do the Christmas party. Yeah. We need to have those only at the next Christmas party. Done. That's great. It's a great, uh, or it's refreshing. Yeah. um, But it's also nostalgic at the same time. Yeah. And a little melancholy. Smelling it, because I've mm-hmm. had it a few times. All I could think of is unwrapping gifts Yeah. under tense moments in a house of parents that are divorcing. Mm. And that, my friend, 
It's the Mary Jumlin. It's the Mary Jumlin. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, you you <clears throat> got it, man. <clears throat> Teach Hector how to make the Mary Gentleman, and uh, he's really excited about it. Yeah. It's the day of the weddings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking me to be the, the best man. Of course. I was really excited about that. Went without saying. For the wedding feast, I, for nostalgia reasons, I killed about 75 wild boar. Mm-hmm. Um... Truth be told, they're already killed and butchered in a, in the butcher shop outside of town, you mm-hmm. know, with the yeah, hanging on sure. there. Yeah. But for good measure, I took my knife and I just, I kind of obliterated them. And, uh, Hector had no choice but to buy them because I kept reminding him, tradition states the father of the bride pays for everything, even, mm-hmm. even the shenanigans from the, the best man. Yeah. See, I, I brought... Live pigs, right? Because I was I was trying to I was remembering, dose, right? And uh, I was trying to kind of like you know, I don't even know what dose means. Uh, a dose of something? It's a, it's a pig name. I don't know. Okay. Um, you know, I was sounds trying like to a medicinal over. a medicinal standard measuring unit. Mm. Yeah, maybe dose. Like you get a dose of Benadryl or a dose of Nyquil. Maybe. I, I I brought the three pigs and okay, which was it's hilarious. It it was three pigs. So, uh, but then we left. Yeah, you're like, from what I remember, because yeah. I was about because I'm married. Yeah, you've been married for thirty years. Yeah, so of course you couldn't get married to no any of the three. It was doomed from the start. But besides that. You turn to me, like, before you're about to walk into the venue, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was an amazing venue. Beautiful. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Hector, he mortgaged his business. His wife used <coughs> her dowry and her mother's inheritance. And uh, you turn to me before you walked in, and you're like, you know what? I think we need to keep going. And I was like, yeah, it's yeah. a good idea. It's not time to settle down. So we left. Mm-hmm. We're here. <clears throat> we are at this cafe. Yeah. I go to this cafe once in a while when really? I'm bored. Yeah, mm. I mean, if i got to get away from it all, I'll come here mm. and uh, reminisce a little bit about my time in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Remember when we went ice fishing? Yeah, oh, we, that was great. We, we caught that wolf and that bear trap. Yeah. And... Uh, even though the bear trap was illegal, mm-hmm. and the park ranger knew about it, we blamed one of the Strizzle brothers. Yeah. <laughs> who was, um, he only did 10 years in prison. He's fine. He got the joke. But in that, I remember uh, getting uh, getting really blitzed out on, uh, I think it was cocaine. Mm. And that cocaine reminded me of this coca tea. Mm. And it inspired me to create this like powdered substance from these coca leaves. Hmm. But legal. <clears throat> oh yeah, cocaine. I mean, that's messed yeah. up. <clears throat> messed up. What you're doing is organic. It was completely organic, and natural. If I mean, if you did enough of it, you'd die. Sure. But I mean, and if you did it wrong, you'd die. Mm-hmm. And basically, I have no sinuses left. I think they've evaporated. Mm. But on the way here, I this I don't know. This is like so many digressions. This episode. See those guys, those, those kids in the BMX bikes. Yeah, I was noticing. Yeah, them. what's that remind you of? 
Uh, the 80s. Those of you that don't know, Dylan and Dutch, we were stunt coordinators for most BMX movies. Well, fe movies featuring BMX bikes. Mm -hmm. You yourself taught Elliot from E.T. how mm -hmm. to push the bike up and float it across the screen. Yeah. That took months of training. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was the main stunt coordinator for the movie Rad. Good movie. And uh, what else? Uh, I taught that one guy from the Goonies mm -hmm. how to ride a bike down a hill. Um, Josh I, Brolin was his name. I was the uh, the model that they used for the Nintendo game Excite Bike. That's right. That's right. I um, mean, it's a spinning image. Yeah. I mean, if you look really closely, yeah, you can tell. Yeah. Like that's me. You can uh, zoom in. But... They didn't put me in the credits. I I I said, hey, don't don't even worry about it. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Right. I'm doing this <coughs> for you know the. Advancement of... For the love of yeah. the BMX biking. Exactly. And, uh, I don't know, I just remembered that. I know mm -hmm. we kind of got into dirt bike coordination, but then we thought, oh, it's kind of like, it's a little silly. Who would ever want to ride a dirt bike? Yeah. And, uh, we produced the movie The Dirt Bike Kid. And, uh, that was a flop. So we... We're here. We're here. The listeners are going to want to know. We made it in, we made it out. Dutch. Uh, so, uh, where we, where we left off last time, we were entering the temple, uh, if you remember, we were in Cambodia, and, uh, we, why were we in Cambodia? Uh, on one of the coins, uh, we saw yeah. one of the coins from the potter's field that Judas had been paid to sell Christ, uh, was an image of a temple that was reminiscent of Angkor Wat. Right. However, yeah. we, uh, Dylan and I, knew Angkor Wat like the back of our hand. Sure. And we knew that this image was not Angkor Wat, Gosh, but we used to a give similar tours temple. Of it. Yeah. We taught people in Cambodia about it. Yeah. Go. Uh, and so we knew that this has to be a temple in in the same area of the same style, but right. uh, a different, a separate temple, one Something. that hasn't been found yet. Yeah. Uh, so we end up coming to um, this temple, and the story of it was, uh, it's a temple to Judas Iscariot. That's the only thing we could surmise, yeah. based on everything we've noticed, uh, and, and, and the conversation we've had with some of the yeah. locals. Yeah, temple to Judas Iscariot. Uh, and so we went in. Sure we did. Uh, we, we surveyed, surveillance did a little bit, and then sure. went in, and uh, one of the first things we noticed was uh, the... It's a smell or something. Yeah, some sort of... Uh, Incense. It was it was some sort of jungle flower that they were burning, that uh, had hallucinogenic properties. It hit me like a almost like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Like, it's like whoa, that's a kind of interesting smell. Immediately, as an inhalant, it it affects you immediately. Practically. And I don't e can't even remember like was it a mist? Was it smoke? Because yeah. um, it was very dark. Yeah. This is a very old temple. I mean, essentially, maybe even. More than 2,000 years old. And so we both realize it, and right away we know we need to be on our toes. Right. We need to be on our guards because what we experienced in this temple may or may not be reality. Remember when we were attacked by the mountain lion? Yeah. And we heard it. Mm -hmm. You looked to me, and the knives were already out. Yeah. Flipping away. That's how we both were once we came into that smell. Yeah. I said to you, Dutch, I said, should we turn back? 
And you looked at me and you said... <clears throat> Absolutely not. Hell no. Yeah. Um, I think that's what you said. I was kind of I was kind of tripping a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, that, that sense of reality. That's, again, another reason, too, why we're, why we're here. Right. Is to try to just make sense of everything and sure. regain our, share ourselves. Our, and share our experience. Put the pieces together. Yeah. We, the te- it was like any other temple. Mm-hmm. Plenty of rooms, mm-hmm. stone rooms, no doors, mm-hmm. places, I guess, to meditate. I'm, I'm only assuming. Yeah. I'm not... And what would you call uh, the people in the temple? Would you call them acolytes? Would you call them uh, worshippers? Something. You... All, I, all I know were they wore the same outfit. Cultists is all I can... Yeah, cultists is usually a, a deranged offshoot of Christianity. I, I think acolytes would be a good one. Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't want to say like devil worshippers, but hmm. they certainly weren't going for the other side. And it was uh, an interesting form. I mean, it, it seemed to look like some... Uh, offshoot of Christianity. Some of the the images and some of the Yeah, and the way they the greeted artwork. each other. They greeted each other with a kiss. Uh there were uh sculptures that had glass melted over them. Yes. Which I'd never I'd never seen that I didn't before. Think you could do it. Uh but it was like a stained glass window had been melted over the top right. of a, a sculpture. <laughs> that's the only, that's the best way to explain it. Um, one, there's one sculpture of a man with rope on his neck holding a bag. That one came up a number of times. Yeah, that was a the typical image. Mm-hmm. Uh, on their, what I can say is their monk robes, mm-hmm. there, there was always um, what looked like an outline of a noose. I, I don't... It was very rudimentary. Mm-hmm. A there, tree with a noose. That's what it was. There was an indifference toward us, too, yeah. as we were walking around, which I i mean, I was ready for a fight any right. second. Evidently, it's a sacred temple. We want, we don't, I mean, we're ready for a fight, but we're kind of weirded out that they just let us pass through. Almost like they thought we were just pilgrims coming sure. and to experience and the temple. I kind of want to say, uh, we are not here. To be part of your thing. No, we didn't want to give them the wrong impression. No. Get their hopes up. Right. We're searching, we're searching, we're going to room after room. Um, and we're going deeper and deeper into this temple. It probably went down another 60 feet, at least. Mm-hmm. The stairways, mm-hmm. a lot of torches. The smell of just damp, um, what's it called, musk. Yeah. It, it was kind of charring meanwhile yeah. i'm having weird hallucinations were you i was i was lots of um phantom faces that weren't there yeah. that were showing up like in the walls i saw a bunch of like those albino scorpions out of nowhere uh, then they disappear i kept hearing um like uh the sound of teeth grinding yeah um yeah i i Whatever that uh, uh, hallucinogen was, I mean, they they were burning it throughout the temple. Yeah, and evidently they're I guess they were used to it, or I don't know. Ultimately, we come to what appears to be a central right. room in the temple. There's a huge threshold, and it almost seemed like a huge block of granite or stone or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Like it was like natural. a limestone, something like that. Um, 
There and were uh, there was you remember the the there's like a weird skylight from the top of the temple, yeah. shining down onto this <clears throat> table. The table is about four feet high. There's pillars. It's a wide open room. I mean, it's it's almost about the size of a like half of a football field. Okay, I'll grant that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but pillars going to the ceiling. There's pools, um, green pools all over the ground. And on yeah, the table, that was strange. we walk up to the table because clearly that's the central point of the room. Right. And what do we see? What I could only assume were there were bones, mm-hmm. and I don't know what bones they were, but the no- there was a noose, like a very old, like weird roughshod like type canvas type noose around the neck. There was no doubt in my mind this was. The remains of Judas Iscariot. Yeah, you even said to me, Dylan, is this Judas? And it, like, it looked like a botched mummification right. of Judas Iscariot. Someone, that, I mean, not someone, that, that was the only, that was the only um, conclusion we could have. For some, I mean, someone, somehow, 2,000 years prior, after he killed himself, took the body, and brought it this way. I don't know how. I, I couldn't even begin to understand how. These were very old. But these were. It wasn't like a recent. These were brittle bones. Mm-hmm. When I came to that realization, I said, betrayer. Right. And you... Spit on it. Immediately. Yeah. And at that point, <clears throat> the room was... Black. Pretty well dark. dark, but uh, pretty well full of these acolytes. Did not even know it. And they all turn at the same time. And instead of just normal human faces, I don't oh, know. Oh, no. I saw these weird, ungodly, twisted faces coming at us. Demonic yeah. looking Faces. Dutch, I saw the Balrog in that room. I. I did too. A fight. So, a fight is on. And they yeah. come at us, and you and I, how do we fight? Back to back. Back to back. And I said, Dutch, watch your back. You said, Dylan, you too. So, we start fighting for a while. Yeah. How long it went, I don't know. But mm-hmm. during the fight, in the background, in the background, this is weird. And you and confirm this for me because we haven't talked so much about this. It has been months. I mean, mm-hmm. the marriage counseling alone has kind of yeah. faded my memory. For you, not I mean, yeah. I was getting drunk on Pisco. <coughs> I saw walking in the distance. I really swear I saw Father Oron. Okay, and I haven't mentioned this to you, but I. Yeah, because uh, honestly, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know what to think. You know, I just thought this is the, the hallucinations. Yeah. Because again, who knows what was reality and not. But if if you saw it too, I absolutely saw it. He's pl- gonna play a bigger part in this than than I think we've we th- we've thought. It may huh. be worth to pay him a visit, <clears throat> but <coughs> what I was very proud of is the meteorite dagger I was using and mm-hmm. your meteorite sword, which is cutting through all their stupid ancient weapons. Yep. They didn't have, like, a really good metal weapon 
mm-hmm. of, of a lot of them. However, there was a point in the fight where it seemed a little dire. There were like, we kind of disarmed and knocked out 60 of them. Yeah, but there were hundreds. Right. And they kept pouring out of... It was hard to... St- yeah, they just kept pouring in. It was like yeah, a 80s... It was a swarm. It was like the game Double Dragon. I mean, they, they just kept coming and coming. And we started losing a little bit of ground. Right. Um, but that was when one of them snagged your satchel mm-hmm. and the coins came out. The coins came spilling out. They all the silver out. coins. Yeah. This is what scared me the most. Not the fight. Everyone stopped fighting. <coughs> Looked at the coins and they started bowing. It was... Unreal. It's like that scene at the end of Apocalypse Now, after Martin Sheen's character kills uh, Colonel Kurtz, mm. and every, all of his disciples know about it, and they they let him walk away. They like look at him. Mm. Have you seen the end of Apocalypse yeah. Now? Yeah. Or in Return of the Jedi, when C three PO comes out and the Ewoks start worshiping him. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how we felt. Um. It was. It was the one. It was the relic that they were missing. Right. They had the bones. They had the rope. They didn't have the silver coins. Yeah, they thought they were going to get it from us too. Yeah. Um. But then that guy appeared. You want to talk about this guy? The leader. He like started walking up to us. Leader came up to us, um, and as soon as the coins fell out too. We you heard the shrieking and the faces started contorting right. and changing back to human form. Right, it's as if like it was like some weird spell and it all like got yeah thrown out. And the leader walked up to us and started speaking clear as day English. He's a brother Seamus. Clear as day English. Yeah. Um, and uh, tell him what he's tell yeah. tell him what he said. <sighs> so About Dylan, yeah, you're correct in what you think, where you think you are. These bones are the bones you think they are, and those coins is a part of a puzzle much larger than you could possibly fathom. Your first question to him was, "Do you know where Yukon Cornelius is?" We've come this far, and uh, he's like, "I don't know any Yukon Cornelius." I am aware of a man named Father Whitehorse. And that's where it clicked. Many episodes ago, Father Oran talked about how Yukon Cornelius and him were priests, and he was actually called Father Whitehorse. So we asked him, do you know anywhere Father Whitehorse might be? Does he, Or do you know anyone that like was taught by him? Disciples? Anything like that? The only thing you can think of is, he said there's this one place in the Patagonia region where Father Whitehurst was rumored to have built Mm -hmm. like a monastery-esque type cabin for solitude and for meditation. What was your thoughts going through your head when when he told us that? My thoughts, one of my thoughts was why didn't Yukon tell us about this monastery? Right. And all the time that we spent with him and I thought that there had to have been a reason why he didn't tell us about it. Maybe we just, it, we didn't need to know at that point. Right. And uh, I thought also this has to 
be incredibly significant. It's gotta be. And we have to check it out. So, even though they don't have a lot of technology, this guy did give us the exact GPS coordinates, which made it really easy. So I guess, next episode, we will be in Patagonia. Yeah. See you next week.